WBZ Original. I'm Larry Galco. I'm Roger Berkowitz, and this is Name Brands, the podcast about the story behind your favorite brands. Joining us now on Name Brands is a gentleman whose last name rings a resounding bell with consumers. The name is Purdue, and Jim Purdue, third generation of his family business, has quite a story to share. Jim has a background in marine biology, which includes a doctorate in fisheries from the University of Washington. He was working salmon hatcheries in Washington State when he answered his father's call to return to the family business and at the time, which was an East Coast brand of premium fresh chicken. After a number of years amassing a skill set that would enable his succession, he took over from his father, Frank, in 1991. Sales from the time Jim took over went from a billion dollars to well over $7 billion today, with diversification in feed, turkey, pork, lamb, and beef. At present, Purdue is the third largest producer of chicken in the United States and the nation's largest producer of organic chicken. The company is nearly 100 years old, employs over 21,000 associates, and partners with 2,400 poultry farmers and 21,000 hog farms, staggering numbers to say the least. Jim, congratulations on what appears to be a very thoughtful and impressive growth strategy, and welcome to Name Brands. Thank you, Roger. Uh, good. So, so this is a family business, and, 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 and your grandfather, Arthur, got the initial business going and, you know, sort of set the foundation culturally, and your father, Frank, worked extremely hard to expand things and did something which was at the time rather unique. Uh, he took chickens, which were considered somewhat of a commodity, and made it into a brand. And then you come in and realize the potential of value-added products and vertical integration and expansion of other proteins. So walk us through the, the family evolution, if you will, because I think it is one of the great American stories. Fascinating, yeah. Well, real quick, the uh, on, on my grandfather, Arthur uh, Purdue, he was uh, 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 worked in the railroad um, in, in the express car, and he wanted to get into business. And so he left the railroad, and he started, and he, he noticed that people were starting to buy cars in the 1912s, 13, 14s were egg people, so he decided to get in the egg business. There was no chicken meat business at the time. If you wanted to eat a chicken, you had to go know a farmer and go down and buy one. And that's why in World War II, they called it a chicken in every pot because, you know, it's oh, when it expanded. Okay. So, but he went through the Depression, you know, in 1928, and so he was very conservative. So from 1920, when the company started, and that's also when Dad was born, uh, and and he bought his first car, which was a Model T with a Surrey top. Uh, so so 1920 was a special year. But from there to 1940, he only hired one person. So Dad was number two in 1940. <laughs> wow. So it wasn't growing by leaps and bounds, and that's because he was very conservative. In fact, uh-huh. he said he would never borrow money from anybody, which a lot of Depression era mm-hmm. folks mm-hmm. did. In fact, my dad built a soybean plant in 1958 and uh, had to borrow money, and. Arthur was forced to co-sign that, and he said it was the hardest decision he ever made in his life because now he knew he'd go to his grave owing money to somebody, but he trusted Dad implicitly and said it must be a good decision, so I'll sign it. You know. Wow. So my dad, of course, then really is the driving force of in the business. He really was. So Jim, you got a PhD in fisheries. 
Were you going to go the route of Roger? I mean, I, I, when I read it, by I said fishery. No, no, he went a much smarter route. I will tell you that. Produce now. seafoods. <laughs> no, the one thing I would always stay away from was restaurants, <laughs> and that's what Roger so does. Well. Right? <laughs> you, know, you know, we were in the we were we had one restaurant in yeah, New York yeah. City, yeah. and that was a disaster. Yeah. You know, my grandfather always said, "Stick to your knitting." Yeah. Well, rest, restaurants is not our knitting, yeah. you know, so we quickly learned to get out of that business. So I admire Roger yeah. for that part of it. <laughs> what, what brought you to UMass Dartmouth uh, back in the you know, days to get a master's degree? Well, when I graduated from uh, Wake Forest, uh, got married and was work, I, I just came to work for the business. That's yeah. what you do, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I, I was 21 years old, no confidence. And working in a family business, it, it was tough because you didn't know if you're getting a pat on the back because you're doing a good job or it's because your name's on the door. So the only thing I knew for sure is I had to leave. And so I left. And the one thing I liked, it was aquaculture. And so I wanted to get into aquaculture. And there was a professor at Southeastern Massachusetts University named Dr. Nakamura. Oh, that's what it's called before it was UMass Dartmouth. Yes, exactly. And, uh, and, and got a master's degree there and then uh, worked in an oyster hatchery for a couple of years. And then I went to uh, work with Dr. Ken Chu, who was the premier shellfish uh, aquaculture guy in the United States. And so, and he is at the University of Washington in Seattle. And then, and so that I did that. And then uh, my choice was to teach and, you know, teaching wasn't really in my <laughs> bailiwick. So, cause there weren't many and still aren't salmon farms in mm-hmm. the United States. Right. Dow Chemical had a, a salmon farm in Puget Sound, but it went, right. it went belly up. So they didn't, uh, they didn't call it the Dow Chemical. <laughs> from, <I'm sorry. laughs> so my dad is a good salesman, so he started coming out my senior year and uh, and convinced me to come back into the business, which by that time I had enough confidence, mm-hmm. you know, having yeah. done what I had yeah. done and, and came back. And to this day, our next generation in the business were required to work outside the company before right. they come in. And all of them worked five years, actually. Huh. And so, uh, so it, it's a good practice, I yes. think, for any family business is to mm-hmm. go out and find a little bit about yourself mm-hmm. and get some confidence before you uh, come back and work in the business. Wow. Well, you know, he was, Frank was really, you talk about being, we use the words today, bold and disruptive, but he was the first one back in like in 71 to really put his face as a CEO on a brand. You know, it takes a tough man to create a tender chicken. And he appeared in, what, over 200 commercials. What was the rationale? Did, you, did he share with you why he decided to kind of not just go outside the box, but really invent something that no one else did? Yeah, he, he uh, when we, we started getting into the harvest business, in other words, the plant that actually harvests the chicken, um, then you control quality. And so he 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 uh, so he was all about quality and uh, went to New York City and talked to butchers. He said butchers are the experts. What are you looking for in a chicken? And they told him about twenty five things. And he came back and he made sure we were the best on those twenty five things. Mm-hmm. And then he said, "Well, I, we need to advertise." So he did some radio advertising in nineteen sixty nine or seventy. Wow. And then he hooked up with Scally McCabe and Sloves in New York. And Ed McCabe came down to, the, to Salisbury and spent some time with Dad and s- saw how dynamic he is, how he's controlling the quality, everything. And he said, Frank, you've got, you've got to be in commercials. And Dad put him off for a year and said, yeah. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And finally, he asked, he asked the key question. He said, will I, make, will I sell more chickens if I do that? And he said, I guarantee you'll sell more chickens. He said, okay, well, let's try it. So that's when he, he got into the TV advertising. And that's not John Jim, just to pick up on that for a second, 
I say this in a very endearing way, and you've heard it for years, and I remember years ago when your father first did the commercials, people said he was perfect, not because he's a great salesperson, a great personality, but he looked like a chicken. Mm -hmm. Was that that ever in the family a little offended, or you felt it was endearing and say, hey, if you think it looks like a chicken, we're good for it, right? Exactly. I mean, if it'll sell more chicken, you you can say or do anything, and that's fine. And I will will tell you something, that was an act, because having seen Frank in person, tall, good looking guy in fact wasn't he a former baseball player poor baseball All right, player but he was a, look he was a, he was an athlete right i mean he looked nothing like a chicken so i so i, I you have to give him credit yeah, for, for yeah. compromising you know no and that's why i said in a very endearing way because everybody was very very fond of your father yeah uh, uh, very so t- let's talk a little bit about chickens i mean it, that is the the, the premise of, of 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 your company but so i remember speaking to a guy did you ever read the uh, the book the omnivore's dilemma yeah okay mm-hmm. so there was a a a creationist, uh, a farmer named Joel Salatin, who um, he, he talked about the purity of raising chickens. And I, I had an opportunity to meet him once. I said, so, Joel, what's so special about your chicken? And he goes, nothing. <laughs> he, said, <laughs> he said, well, it's a 1953 breed of such and such. And he said, you know, I just, uh, you know, make sure that uh, we, you know, just turn the uh, soil and, and, and just give it uh, organics. And it does, that's the way it tastes. So, so tell us a little bit about the chickens you use in the breeds, because I don't think mm-hmm. any of us really understand where chickens come from, other than the fact that we see it in supermarkets. Yeah, you know, <laughs> the uh, there's two parts of the chicken industry. There's people like us who raise chickens, but where the chickens come from are called breeder companies, and they sell you a hen and a rooster uh, breeding stock, uh-huh. and there's only, I think, three left in the world. Really? So it's a it's somewhat of a monopoly, but mm. it's uh, but they supply it to China, uh, South America, the United States, you name it, and so uh, and I think I think to some degree we fell into the trap that all poultry companies did, and that is about efficiency. Let's raise them as fast as we can, get them as fat as we can, in the short period of time. That's the least cost. So you know we're ba- we're basically raising chickens in dark houses now that no light uh, because you don't want them to move around. Uh, just eat and, um, and, and you know, get fat and, and that sort of that thing. That was in the beginning. Well, yeah, that's the way it's done still uh-huh. today okay. by okay. most companies. We decided to change. We, and that's where a lot of these things about no antibiotics, animal care come from is mm-hmm. we decided that, you know, this is not for the best tasting chicken. This may not be the best way to do it. So we're making a lot of changes now. We're putting windows back in all the chicken houses, mm. uh, open access outside. So you're becoming inefficient. And we're becoming inefficient. That's uh-huh. exactly right. And, you know, uh, one, yeah. one of the animal care groups uh, who we work with said, you know, our, our job is to help you make sure you, you're doing a better job on the animal welfare mm-hmm. that you're doing, mm-hmm. it's your job to figure out how to do it economically. Mm-hmm. So we're now working with brown feathered, uh, slow growing chickens because they, they have a flavor profile that's better than the traditional three companies only breeder companies chickens, you know, which is which is generic in a sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's why we're starting to change more of our practices. Well, you know, Jim, I was with um, a friend of mine is a, a, a CEO of a major supermarket chain here in the area. And I told him you were coming on today. And he said, you know, Larry, he says, um, I can't remember the last time, really, that we've ever had a complaint 
about Purdue chicken. So I'm curious to know, in your quality control, in your culture, and as a leader, a visionary, what are some of the things that are important to you, Jim, to embrace your team of people to ensure like this never having complaint and you know, you're delivering an experience over and over again to build loyalty, but also, you know, you're you're laser beamed on that quality and you don't want to hear a complaint. So share with us your leadership style and just the culture at Purdue of how you make this magic sauce happen. Well, first of all, I would disagree on complaints. We get a lot of complaints. But not in this chain. <laughs> but, but, yeah. you, but he may not get them, but we get them directly from the consumer. Oh, okay. See what I'm saying? It's, and that's how we find out when we got problems. Hmm. We get about 5,000 contacts a month, of which a, you know, a certain percentage are complaints. And my favorite meeting in our company is- well, put, it, put it in perspective. How much chicken do you sell? Because 5,000 sounds like a large number, but if you're selling yeah. millions of portions, it's not a large number. Right. Yeah. And, and, I mean, we do uh, uh, 13 million chickens a week okay. we okay. harvest. Right. Yeah. But I'm going to assume even one complaint will, will piss you off. Right? <laughs> well, right. But you got to put yeah. it in perspective. perspective. Yeah. So, so I have this meeting, and, uh, and I, ch- I chair the meeting. And, uh, and what we do is we have voice recordings of the complaint, mm-hmm. like your oven stuff or roaster ruined my dinner because of so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And then on the line is the plants and the managers listening. Ah. And then they have to say, well, this is what went wrong, you know, and this uh-huh. is how we're going to fix it. It's one uh-huh. of the best feedback mechanisms to correct quality issues that we have. Now, Dad used to do that uh, with letters. People wrote. Now, today, Mm -hmm. there's very few letters, (laughs) but there's a lot of emails, a lot of uh, uh, phone calls, 800 number phone calls, and of course, a lot of social media. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's also how we find out what people are thinking. Mm -hmm. Like when we found out about no antibiotics back in 2000, 2000, we decided Mm -hmm. to remove antibiotics because consumers were asking more and more and more questions. So it wasn't a fad. It was a real issue. And that's what got us going on that. So because my dad always said, listen to the consumer, they'll lead you to the right things to do, you know? And so now animal care is a big issue. We're getting a lot of questions about that. So, so those contacts are gold to me, you know, because that's how we know what's going on. How, how difficult was it, speaking about antibiotics, was it to get antibiotics out of, out of the program? Um, it was, it was uh, periods of difficulty, uh, and I'll tell you, uh, so, so remo- we first re- we removed any antibiotics that uh, were in human use because mm-hmm. the concern was about antibiotic mm-hmm. resistance. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then there's some animal-only antibiotics. Uh, getting rid of those, we had to use herbs. We bought a company called Coleman Organic, and they didn't use antibiotics. Okay. But it turns out they use oregano, they huh. use thyme, they use herbs that do the same thing that the antibiotics were doing. And so Back that, to was a, that was a yeah. secret to that. Right. Uh, and, but the hardest thing, I'll tell you, Roger, the hardest part was the in the hatchery where the eggs are mm-hmm. hatched to baby chickens. Yes. Uh, and we were using antibiotics uh, in, uh, in the egg uh, as we uh, put an, uh, a vaccine into uh-huh. the egg. Mm-hmm. And we use an antibiotic because if you poke a hole in an egg, it's not good, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so that, and that, uh, that, 
antibiotic was hard to remove, but it was because our eggs were dirty. So what we had to do was clean up our act. That took three years to clean the hatchery. Every egg on the, from the farm before it gets here had to be wiped with a baby wipe. Wow. That had a tremendous impact. So we were the b- biggest users of baby wipes, I no guarantee kidding. you. Wow. When you got 13 million wow. chickens a week, you know, that's a lot of baby wipes. <laughs> but uh, but w- once we cleaned up our act, we didn't have to use antibiotics in the hatchery, and that was the big change. So if somebody tells you they're going to go tomorrow, no antibiotics, you should question, you know, what exactly they're right, not you, doing. you can't turn the switch. You can't turn the switch. It's a big, big change. We've been so dependent on antibiotics for too long. You know, one of the things that, that, that came to me, and, 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 and as I was going through it, you guys are the biggest organic chicken farmers really in the world. And, and, and I, I don't think that's well known enough. Talk, talk a bit about that. Yeah, well, we were, we were down this road of no antibiotics. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we were doing a lot of things uh, and an all veggie fed diet. And we'd mm-hmm. already gone to that. Uh, and uh, we bought the company called Coleman Organic. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were small. They only did about, um, about uh, 500,000 organic chickens a week in three different plants. And, uh, but what we found out when we brought some of those chickens into our plant is the meat quality was just superior. Mm. And so we said, now why is that? You know, I always, one of the things I talk to our people about is being a learning organization. You know, try to figure out, learn what's going on, you know. And so if this is superior meat, why is it? Because there's a lot of variables. The feed's organic. They have outdoor access. They're much more active. Uh, There's a tremendous number of differences in conventional versus organic. So, um, and and then the organic business, by the way, was growing faster than any other segment. Now, mm-hmm. it was only 5% of the chickens sold in the supermarket are organic. So, it's a small base. Right, right. But it was growing at 35% a year uh-huh. uh, versus conventional was, was flat to zero, and no antibiotics ever was growing at about 20% a year. Uh-huh. Um, so... So we uh, so now we've expanded dramatically that organic business um, and 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 are doing, doing now probably uh, about 1.5 million chickens a week from that wow. 300 or 500 thousand that that Coleman originally had. So so what makes for example you know you see Roger everyone's talking about organic you know I'm organic cheese organic bubble gum whatever but and and people have come in here and we've had folks from the Harvard School of Public Health talking about some things are not, do not warrant organic. The process and the price, and some things do. She was your thought. Why is organic so important to the that you want to call the chicken category, and maybe other categories that you're also involved in? Yeah, you know, you're right. I mean, in 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 pork, for example, you don't see the word organic that much. No, <clears throat> either no. in the supermarket or in the you know, it's more of a cage or a, a gestation stall mm. free environment. Open access versus confined mm-hmm. buildings; right. those are more qualified. And beef, you hear about grass-fed, right? More so than you do organic. Yes, uh, I yeah. think that's true. That's but in true. chicken, organic seems to be it applies, mm-hmm. you know, more more easily. Yeah, and yeah. so we just do it because, again, we're after a better tasting, mm. you know, product for our, our consumers. And organic is a start to that area. Mm-hmm. We think the newest area of pasture-raised, where they're actually out in pasture. Uh, with a with a slow growing chicken, mm-hmm. uh, where the flavor is there, you know that's what we're interested, in, and that's what we're really pushing hard on right now. Well, it seems like you know innovation is really your DNA. I mean, yeah. as you all know here in the room, you know new products are the soul of any company, and you have now you've created the Purdue 
Innovation, I think, Center. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about that, why you created it, and what purpose that has within the organization. Yeah, we had about we have four cooking facilities, and uh, where we make our nuggets and, you know, and, and different products. And uh, we had a little bit of research in each one, and we decided to bring them all together into our corporate area. And so we have a 35 food scientists and chefs <clears throat> inside of a building, and their job is to take ideas and implement them and then commercialize them. By commercial, I mean you do it in a little oven here, but now you got to do it in a plant in a big oven. Mm -hmm. So commercializing it so that you can do it in, in larger volumes and yet maintain the the quality and the taste and that sort of thing. Now, do you do all your um, value-added uh, your, in your own plants? Yes, we do a little bit of co-packing. Mm -hmm. um, we want a little bit of excess. Mm -hmm. We'll do that and then bring it into our plants. But I'd say about 90, 98% of what we do is our own facilities. Yeah. So, so, so one of the things, and it's interesting. Okay, one of the things that we're hearing more about these days is 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 waste, and it, it more and more articles starting to come out about waste. And and when you think fresh versus frozen, what is happening in those categories? And is there a movement? Because I know you are you are huge in the value added aspect of things. Is there a movement? at all in the frozen value-added aspect of that from a convenience and less waste. I'm just curious to hear sort of your thoughts on that. Absolutely. Yeah, that is that is a big area. In fact, we are just introducing now, as we speak, it's going out and we'll start advertising uh, in January, uh, Purdue Organic uh, Nuggets, Tenders, a whole lineup of organic, fully cooked products. Mm-hmm. And it's been accepted very well by the supermarket industry, uh, and and you're right, it's a convenience play. You know, uh, you know, you don't have to eat it all, you know, in, in a certain period of time, and of course, it may have a sealed bag, so you can just take what you want, and and not use it. So, um, the frozen the frozen category is growing, but it's, but so is the fresh. I mean, people fresh fresh is always something people are interested yeah, in. Yeah, you know, it, it's kind of interesting, but you know, and, and it's true. And we were, we were kind of joking about it before, you know, uh, people would take an hour, two hours to cook. Yeah. And that, as the aging boomers and seniors get older and or disappear. Like us? Uh, <laughs> like you, no, 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 not disappear, just a little aging, that's all. <laughs> um, it, it, we, it's all about convenience. Mm, it it's is. It's time, convenience, and if it, if it's an, an efficiency and less waste. That seems to be what's driving things mm -hmm. forward today. You know, we have a product we call Shortcuts, and, and it's fully cooked, fresh, um, and all you do is take it out of the bag and put it on your salad, and you've got a meal, or put it, you know, in any. In any it, so it, it 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 helps somebody make a meal in 20 minutes. Mm. Uh, and then we came up with a product called Perfect Portions. And what it is, it's a instead of these ginormous, which I get irritated with, pieces of boneless breast that are so yes. thick yes. that you, you know you can't even cook them right because on one end they're thin and on the other end they're thick. Uh, so we slit them, and we do a like a three or four ounce portion, put it in a bag. Some of them have flavors if you want it, like Italian. Mm -hmm. And uh, because what we were finding is consumers are taking boneless breast home, putting it in baggies, and putting it in the freezer. Right, right. Yeah. So if you do it for them, yes, exactly. yeah, absolutely. they'll buy it. And, and absolutely. that product took off like that. Is that fresh or frozen or both? It's fresh. fresh. It starts yeah. fresh, uh -huh. but all of them are individually wrapped. Yes. So you can put in the freezer what you don't use. So well, I, I tell you, we have, a, and I, my home, in the summertime, it's down, down the Cape, we have a lot of those, the Italian, and they're fresh, and then they go frozen, but you just take them out, you pop them on the grill, and they're great. You know, playing off what Roger mentioned about convenience, um, 
we live in such an on-the-go society today. I'm curious to know, Jim, and have you pursued, I know today you have a lot of different companies that are packaging, you know, for convenience, a protein, a veggie, a pasta, whatever it is. But I haven't seen Purdue in this like prepackaged meal category. Is that something you stayed away from intentionally? Or is that something you're looking to pursue in the near future? That's a good question. And we've actually been in it before. We've tried it a few times, and I think we were ahead of ahead of our ahead times. Of the yeah, yeah. Mm. and that and that was unfortunate. Um, and um, you know, we're that is that is something we're working on. We're also meal kits is a big thing today. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's interesting. But but you watch some of the larger companies. Won't mention them by name. Some of the larger companies out there. And, and, and if you're preparing, you're doing stuff, I don't think people want that because it ties them down two or three times a week yeah. when they want to be free and they want to do it when they want to do it. So I think those companies are having more difficulty. I think if you have something, you have protein or you have a vegetable and, and you, you kind of put it together when you want it on your time frame, that's really, if you're watching millennials, that's really where it's and, going. And a lot of them, Roger, you read the ingredients, they're high in calories, they're high in sodium. I mean, they might be packaged for a good price. You know, we won't mention the brands, but you, you turn over the package and they're really not very healthy, even though there's a protein there, you know, and a veggie, the sauces. I mean, like, it's just not in today's, like, and the, the millennials today, which make about, what, over half the population, Roger? You know, they're looking for a wellness, and they're looking, you know, for fast, you know, preparation, but healthy. Right. And so if you can, if Purdue can kind of corner in or hone in on that and create those three different dimensions, you know, you'll naturally, you know, have a home run. Yeah. 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 So, so, so one of the things that I'm, I'm fascinated about, because you've obviously you've established a firm hold in the poultry industry, you're now getting into that other white meat. Yeah. T tell us about that migration. Yeah. Well, you know, when we bought Coleman Organic Chicken, they had a, a small pork operation called Coleman Pork. And uh, and it was growing by leaps and bounds. And we said, and remember, our vision as a uh, Purdue Farms, uh, the foods group, is to be the most trusted name in premium protein. It doesn't say chicken. Oh, it says okay. premium oh, protein. Interesting. Interesting. So, <clears throat> so we 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 wanted a, an oper a plant where we could do our Coleman um, pork, and so we came up and Nyman Ranch was available, and so we bought the company. And by the way, Nyman Ranch has a better name than Coleman does. I mean, it's a very pork, sure. very good name in pork, Bill, Bill, beef, Bill Nyman, lamb. by the way, was Jewish, just so you'll know. Yeah, <laughs> Bill Nyman. He was the one of the originators of that, and. Uh, uh, and and what? But again, you know, you remember we learned from Coleman how to grow organic chickens. We learned from Nyman that how you raise a pig is how it tastes, and that's fascinating. They actually pay their farmers based on meat quality, tenderness, marbling, that sort of thing. And so, uh, and they're all raised outdoors. They want them to have exercise. They want them to be. Uh, reduce anxiety, you know, in the plants. So those pictures, you know, of, of other places that have shown in, in China, as an example, uh, or other places where, they, where they've raised chickens in these sort of tight quarters where they can't move, they just barely stand up, that doesn't exist with what you're doing. Exactly, yeah. And in fact, they're called gestation stalls where you, uh, when, when a mom, baby, mom pig has baby pig, she's not allowed to move. She just has to sit there uh, because they're afraid that she's going to roll onto the and kill the baby pigs. It's interesting. These pigs that Nyman raises are outdoor in little huts. Each mom has their own hut, and she'll have her piglets. These moms are amazing how they'll lay down a certain way slowly 
to avoid it. Now there are some that do, you know, get 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 uh, or killed by by sitting on them, but very few because the moms are they breed them for their mothering. I mean, to to be a good mother. So it's it's just an interesting business, and we're again we're learning in the Purdue world on chicken how to produce a better tasting animal by reducing the anxiety, increasing the activity. See, this is all mm-hmm. coming together yes, yes. in the same way, uh, as it were. And, 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 and your, your background was in aquaculture and marine biology. So, so you tied in, even and, though right. you were off studying fish somewhere, <laughs> it's tying in and it's paying dividends now. Well, I think anything you do, you learn something sure. and you, you bring it with you, you know, when you, uh, do, you, know, you get into another, uh, another venture. Are you looking at other brand extensions like chicken salad, chicken soup? What, what do you see in the next one to three years, your vision, Jim, as far as where you see the Purdue brand going? Well, I'll tell you one thing we're working on right now is a uh, non-meat protein, you know. Really? Because, you know, again, millennials yeah. um, are a different group. They, they, some of them don't like to eat meat mm-hmm. or they want to eat less meat. Mm-hmm. So we're we're working uh, with a couple of companies on e- either it's called it's called a, a flex eating right. where you ba- flexitarians they call them basically where really? you, where if you take like ground chicken mm-hmm. and you, then you put in about twenty five percent vegetable with it which it's more of a nutritional play uh-huh. so now uh-huh. you're getting fewer calories you're getting less fat you're getting uh, because it's, you have a, a vegetable component to it. Or you go all the way to all vegan, okay? Now, if, if you had told me I'd be making vegan <laughs> items no way. even 10 years ago, <laughs> I, I would have told you you're out of your mind. What are you smoking, right? <laughs> but, but again, if you're going to listen to the consumer, right. you better that's listen. Right. And if that's what they want, you better figure out how to satisfy them and take care of it. So, so we're working on actually a, a lot of products down this in this area now. Uh, now, as far as specific things, you know, we, we've been into chicken broth, and that didn't work too well. Okay. Uh, so there's always extensions of what you're doing. Um, but again, you know, snacking is a bigger and bigger item right now. And so we're working on snack items, you know. What, uh, what kind of snack items? Well, like, you know, if you buy chicken nuggets in a store, I mean, they're they're in a big package. But if you're in a convenience store and you want it on, you know, eat it in the car, yeah. you know, you can have some nuggets and sauce yes, and, yeah, 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 and yeah. that sort of thing. You know, so it's it's trying to make, again, convenience is, is will always sell. Who I, developed chicken fingers? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm credit Purdue. How's that? Right. Hey, you know, one of the things I'm sure you, 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 you're you not going to develop, but my grandmother made, and it's called chopped liver. Yeah. All right. And she did it. And But chicken liver was always much better than beef liver. We knew when someone mm. switched off to beef, it was just never Bingo, as yeah, good. Yeah. So if you ever want a really tiny niche market, you know, we sell a lot of chicken liver. Do you? Oh yeah, yeah. And of course, this time of year, it's even the demand is like double. Uh, sure. I guess because of the holidays and you know all the salads and the, the dressings and that sort of thing. But yeah, we sell a lot of chicken liver. Ah, well, you know, using your creative juices. I have a fun question. Okay, the last several years, right, we see different products marrying different products. Like for example, and I know Roger has you know lobster mac and cheese. Ooh, you see that's now, a good one. Yeah, that, <laughs> no. You see down south, you know, people having fried chicken and waffles. We see now, I saw the other day in a restaurant, a fried egg on a hamburger. Jim, using your creative juices, what do you think chicken could marry to be a popular item, like the three I just mentioned, that could really catch on and be a hit in restaurants? What, what, what marriage do you think could there be? 
Well, I'm going to tell you, one of my deficiencies is I'm not an innovative person, you know, I'm, and I'm serious about that. And that's yeah, why really? you depend yeah. on your folks yeah. and on your research yeah. to help you with answer those yeah. questions. I mean, I would go to somebody like Roger. Yeah, and yeah say, I was going to say, Roger, you know, Roger, what, Roger, what would you think? He knows chicken his, and what? He knows his customers. Chicken and cheese? Uh, chicken and lobster? Uh, 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 you know, chicken I, and sorbet? <laughs> chicken and, you see, here's the, you can now put two together, chicken and anything with bacon. That oh. is true. Oh yeah, so. yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, in an order, my favorite order is the scallop wrapped in bacon. Right? In bacon. <laughs> you know, I have I've yet to find anything that did not taste better with bacon. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> that's a good point. You know, and that and bacon is still you cannot make enough bacon. Yeah. In our pork plant, you know. Sure. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, we're yeah, always absolutely. short. So all your products are non chicken. I wonder, I a different brand, right? Uh, yeah, so Coleman will sell mostly uh, pork. Right, right. We'll never see a Purdue pork, Purdue lamb, Purdue... Um, yeah. yeah. You'll see it under different names, you're saying? Or, yeah, yeah. you, you yeah. won't see it under Purdue. Purdue yeah. will be just, yeah. you know, sort of the chicken. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, Nyman Ranch doesn't have chicken in their line right now, but they're developing it. Uh, so a, a Nyman Ranch chicken. And it's going to be an organic type chicken because it, and it's so mostly in restaurants uh, Nyman Ranch is mostly a, a restaurant you know, I always believe that people buy brands not companies do the consumers do you care that the consumer knows that Purdue is behind these Nyman other brands or as long as these brands have trust and respect that's fine like I, I guess what percent of the consumers know that these brands are part of the Purdue organization I think very and, very, they, don't, and they probably don't even care and, I, and I'd rather not know right I agree you know I, I, I agree. think it's and, and you know one thing you don't want to do is yeah. beat your chest no yeah. or, yeah. or compromise and, and, your and brand. it also gives you brand extension and market share Right, you know, sure, in, right. In, in a in a, uh, in a in a different. I mean, each thing. brand has its own integrity. That's it right. has its own uh, uh, values, yeah. and and people like that. Yeah. I've always had this philosophy: new camp, new brand. You can have you know the mother of the company be there, but you don't want it to loot the power of your brand. So Purdue is on five different products that have nothing to do with chicken. Right, you can't you can't afford to compromise your chicken business. So that's what you're known for. Yeah, you remember, remember our vision is around trust, trust to yeah. be the most trusted name. And so I think if people saw Purdue beef. I'm I'm not sure mm. they would trust that we know what we're doing. They would wonder, they'd be confused. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, there are some natural extensions, and then you, you but I think you're smart. The way we went, we extended it real far when we went to Turkey. Uh-huh. You know, because yeah. we, right, call, we right. call it Purdue Turkey. Yeah. But, you know, going, but still to, poultry. going yeah. to beef and pork is a, yeah. right. is a big, right. big change. Yeah. Right. Lots yeah. of questions to ask you. We're going to switch to the lightning round. So we're going to ask you sort of quick questions and quick answers coming Oh, just coming yes back. and no? Yeah. No, it, no, you can not. All right. So, so. This is a fun pod. <laughs> so, so surplus poultry litter is a euphemism for what? Oh, a great fertilizer. Oh. And we make compost. I was hoping you were going to say chicken shit, but okay. <laughs> I'll let you do that. <laughs> All right, Jim. Here's the question, right? What came first, the chicken or the egg? It had to be the egg. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean it's... Yeah. All right. You know? Here's one that Jim and I share a little bit of history going back about 20 years. We were in Providence getting a an honorary degree from Johnson & Wales. Who was the MC at that event? In the it was in the I think the Providence of the Dunkin' Donuts Auditorium <laughs> or something. Who was the MC there? Buddy Cianci. Yes, he oh, was. Really? Very oh, good. Boy. Very good. It's always like you have a thing. Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> <laughs> and we each got a bottle of Chianti. <laughs> no, olive oil. 
Not at all. No, no. He was making his own tomato sauce. Oh. Oh. And so we got a bottle of his tomato sauce. Was that back in the late 90s? Because Rick Pitino was creating Italian products he wanted to compete against Buddy. No, no, no. This was, and and, and I will tell you right now, Buddy's always would have been better. Okay. (laughs) So, Jim, in your home, when you tell us, what is your favorite go-to chicken dish? Um, we, I, I think what do you crave over? Sweet and smoky chicken. Sweet and smoky. Because 45 years ago in college, yeah. I was dating this girl, Jan, and I brought, uh, invited her over to our, our house, and I did, decided to cook chicken. And I looked in the cookbook we had, and in sweet and smoky chicken looked the simplest. So I cooked it for her with Kraft macaroni and cheese. See? She thought she died and gone to heaven. And so that's the last meal I've ever cooked. Whoa. So there you go. Sweet. Wow. No, no, no. Here's the evolution, right? Sweet and smoky chicken, mac and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> mac and lobster. You know, my wife's favorite dish is, is mac, mac and, and lob- mac- lobster. Lobster mac lobster and cheese. cheese. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, one of the, um, you, you, I'm guessing you served or you had a uh, turkey, a Purdue turkey. Uh, this year, what is and what we're we're beyond where we we've missed Thanksgiving, but for next year and some people are certainly selling you know having it for the holidays again. What what is your your best tip that you could give someone for cooking a turkey? You know I've gone through everything from frying outside in the deep fat fryer uh, to the oven, and uh, we're using the green egg now, and the green egg just seems to produce a really nice tender. And we brine it the night before. Okay, so the green egg is what now? The green egg is a uh, a, a grill, but it's it's a huge ceramic, and so it, it really traps the heat, and you can control the temperature really easily. And uh, so we brine a turkey the night before, and then we cook it on a, a green egg, uh, which just uh, seems to do a really nice job. Wow. Uh, but that's you, just me. You know, I was doing the frying, the frying <laughs> chickens on my deck, and then my wife showed me a video of a house burning down. <laughs> and so I decided maybe that's not a good idea. <laughs> uh, that's funny. That's funny. Good story. We've been seeing lately these pop-up pizza museums ice cream museums. Is there a Purdue chicken museum in the planning? There's already one exists. It does. See, it, it, Salisbury University is in Salisbury, mm-hmm. and it's called the Franklin P. Purdue School of Business, and we, right. we endowed the school. Yeah. And uh, in there, there is a museum of the history of Purdue. And so all the memorabilia that we had been collecting for years, we right. put into that museum, actually. So, uh, is, is, Does it draw a lot of visitors? Um, it's a good question, but I think I think people do go in there. The, you know, the problem with any museum is it's it doesn't change a lot, mm. so it's a one-time deal. You know, so we've got to make it more. Uh, in fact, we're actually getting ready to redo the whole thing and yeah. do much more interactive yeah. video and that sort of thing. Oh, cool. So, yeah, you could consider this a trick question. What is the healthiest of all proteins? Wow, uh, I better say seafood. Right? <laughs> you win, okay. <laughs> All right, outside of seafood. If that's his father, he'll agree with him. <laughs> well, you know, I think certainly, uh, you know, chicken has a lot of benefits to it, and that's one of the reasons that it it grew so dramatically. Um, and it and it amends itself to flavors mm-hmm. very well. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, chicken is very healthy, even. Even the um, you know even the leg meat is which is my favorite uh, you know uh, mine too because uh, it has a little more too. flavor. Um, I'm, I'm more white meat. Yeah, I'm white. Well, you're more you're more of the American 
you know, uh, norm, norm, I guess you'd say. But, but you know, with a lot of the Hispanic, uh, increasing Hispanic population and Asian and that sort of thing, their dark leg meat is the preferred meat. In China, they can't get rid of breast meat fast enough. I mean, it's cheap, cheap because nobody wants it. They want that leg meat. So I, to, I tell you a funny story. I, w- I was in Japan once, and I uh, it, we were, uh, you know, part of a group that was eating. Um, we were on a farm somewhere uh, in the in the hills, and I got down a little bit late to dinner, and they already had uh, the sushi set out, and uh, so I saw a, a, what I thought was a piece of tuna, sort of well marbled tuna, and I picked it up as I'm eating it. The fellow next to me said, "Oh, you may not." want to eat that as I'm eating it and <laughs> so I'm, and and then I, I I swallowed before I didn't want to you know look delicate by spitting it out but and, and I said why was that and he goes oh that was raw chicken so, <laughs> so 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 the question is have you ever eaten raw chicken Ah, not in a sushi style, oh, okay. you know. Uh, but you know, I, I think it would be, it, it's like anything else, you know. I think, uh, you know, you, you'd want an interior piece of meat, I think, which mm-hmm. I think is important, mm-hmm. just like in fish, you know, I think. Uh, but yeah. I, haven't, I have not personally, yeah, I don't okay. think. It, it, it might, might taste a little better with soy sauce, but cook yeah. it through. <laughs> that would be my advice. Super Bowl Sunday aside, what is the best-selling product Chicken wings, chicken tenders, chicken nuggets. Uh, I, I, guess, I guess chicken nuggets. I think is probably really? uh, very popular. You mm-hmm. know, uh, mm-hmm. I got I got a, I got six grandkids, and I was uh, going to say the more and, the and, younger. And chicken nuggets is something yeah. that uh, yeah. is a mainstay, yeah. especially if it's dinosaur shape. Oh you yeah, know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but chicken wings have really taken off. Oh yeah, they? absolutely. I mean, it, well, it, he discounted that. Remember, he said, I just kind of oh, "Okay, okay." Yeah, right. but even but even you know, look at all the restaurants yeah. that yeah. sell chicken wings but, now. No, right, and more and more restaurants are selling. And there are times where, and, I, and I, I will say full disclosure, I use Coleman's organic chicken wings, and they are ten times better in the the the, uh, the quality. Well, you know, Roger, I was in a place in Falmouth a few weeks ago. In a place, I don't know, I forget the name of it. They have thirty-one different kind of chicken wings, but I think it's going too far. The newest flavor. Peanut butter and jelly on a chicken wing, aye, aye, and you know, I mean, they're going really far. Yeah, and yeah. they have a thing that if you can eat like a biggest basket of the hot sauce, or whatever, you win like chicken wings for a month, or whatever. So, so what is this place you go to, Larry? <laughs> <laughs> I went to my wife. We'll go back there, but peanut butter and jelly in a chicken wing? Yeah, I don't understand. Go that. figure, right? I'll tell you. When I was selling chicken in 1988, I was in sales. Uh, chicken wings was the hardest thing to get rid of, and it was 12 cents a pound. Really? They, wow. it, just to get rid of it. Really? Today, it sells. More expensive than boneless chicken meat. Wow! Most of the time, Hell that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know, it just goes to show you how far it's come as a product. And, and, and it's right. You know, it has more flavor certainly going from. And I guess it's, because it's a finger food. Mm-hmm. You know, and people like that kind of finger food, especially for sports. Yeah. You know. No, that's uh, that's very true. Who, who eats more chicken wings, men or women, Larry? I'm going to ask Larry. Men, probably. Okay, yes. Hard to devour, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, chicken wings and beer, huh? Women, someone told me this. I, I didn't fully appreciate it. Someone told me women, in particular when they're in restaurants, don't like, you like to be very, you know, sort of, they're very conscious of how they look. They don't want to lick their fingers. Really, they don't yeah. want anything on their fingers. And they fingers. don't want messy fingers. Right, and they don't want messy fingers. The question too. is, who attends uh, sports bars more, men or women? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell us one thing you learned from your father and one lesson you feel, you hope, the next generation learns from you. 
Oh, boy. Uh, well, there's a lot of lessons from Dad. He was fantastic, you know, and, and uh, uh, but really, I think I think it was quality. You know, he he just he just believes so wholeheartedly in quality, and uh, and that doesn't change today. Even though quality isn't a relevant selling point uh, like it used to be. In other words, there's not as much difference today. Because if you're gonna if if somebody uh, you know has a uh, uh, if the Moolahs has their own chicken brand on there, it better be good quality because they're mm. not ex- they're not going to accept. Whereas when Dad first started, there was a huge difference in the quality between a Purdue chicken and somebody else's chicken. But it still has to be there. I mean, it's a ticket to get in the game, but it's a ticket that if you don't have, you won't survive. And yourself, for the next generation, what's one thing you hope they learn from you, Jim? Uh, take care of your people. You know, we're, we always say we're not in the chicken business, we're in the people business. Mm-hmm. You know, we got 21,000 associates, and if we have quality, if we have anything, it's because of them. And don't ever forget, you know, uh, and this is my dad saying, that person working in a plant knows more about their 25 square feet than anybody in the plant. And if you don't listen to them, that's true. You know, you're going to be in trouble. So we have a lot of programs today. Perspective. Uh, huddles in the morning uh, where they put up on the board what they want done. These are, these are hourly workers. Um, and it's amazing if you do that, they will tell you what you need to do. If you just listen, because they because they believe in your brand and they believe in you and the culture and the whole you know and organization, they want to make decisions. That's right. You know, it's it's amazing. People want to be involved in making decisions, and if they're if they're if they're contributing, they get a lot out of that. And, and to that point, the people closest to where the activity is taking place are the most knowledgeable. Exactly. Yeah. And so we can all learn from them. So, yeah. uh, so that's what I would tell my uh, yeah. No, that's great, awesome. Great. Excellent. Well, Jim Purdue, thank you very much for joining us today on uh, Name Brands. We've learned a lot, and it's been fun having you. We've enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, pleasure. Continue success, and uh, I'm looking forward to the next product you might marry with chicken. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. It's, it's been a lot Real of fun. Pleasure. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. This ends Season 2 of Name Brands. Uh, please join us for Season 3 coming up. In the meantime, have a happy and great holiday season. Yeah, we wish everybody a wonderful holiday season and eat chicken and be merry. Yeah.